Our sermon title is a name uh, that maybe you've heard this phrase used together before. It's called Gloom, Despair, and Agony on Me. Uh, We're going to take a passage from Habakkuk. It's a little minor prophet, Old Testament book, Habakkuk chapter 3. We're going to focus on this verse. I want to start off by reading this passage to you from Habakkuk 3, 2. It says, O Lord, I have heard the report of you and your work. O Lord, do I fear. In the midst of the years, revive it. In the midst of the years, make it known. In wrath, remember mercy. Okay, now that was from the ESV, the English Standard Version. But let me read that again, this time from the New Living Translation. It should be up on the screen as well. I have heard all about you, Lord. I am filled with awe by your amazing works. In this time of our deep need, help us again as you did in years gone by. And in your anger, remember mercy your mercy. Won't you pray with me? Lord, we just pray that our hearts and minds will be open in these next few minutes as we take a deeper look at what it means to call out to you to rely upon who you are, your very nature, and the mercy that comes with your love and your grace that you pour out upon us. Father, we just thank you for that. Father, help us not to be overwhelmed because we know that in this world there will be trouble. And Lord, I just pray that you would help us to not be overwhelmed, but always remember where we go for mercy, and where we go for strength, and where we go for help. Lord, I just pray our hearts and minds are turned to you this morning, and we'd walk away from here taking away the exact message that you would have us to take away. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> and then Habakkuk, small book, three chapters. It's uh, included in the section of the Old Testament that is known as the Minor Prophets. Now, that doesn't mean that his prophecies weren't as important. It just means that there's less from him uh, than some of these other so-called prophets. Again, the major prophets being you know, Ezekiel and Daniel, but it's again lumped in with the, the minor prophets. Now, this book is believed to have been composed in the late 7th century, so this would have been composed not long before the Babylonians laid siege to Jerusalem. It's believed that Habakkuk may have actually been a temple prophet slash musician. Um, as this was common practice that many of the, the folks who worked in the temple were prophets or preachers, uh, and, but also served in other roles, and, and he may have actually been a musician as well. So the three chapters in this book, uh, of the book of Habakkuk, are actually a direct conversation with God, or Old Testament terms, Yahweh. Habakkuk knows full well of God's might, he knows full well of God's blessings of his people in the past and what he has seen going on in his lifetime are some terrible injustices among his people. Uh, now, a lot of scholars who've taken a look and studied Old Testament books have condensed the central truth of Habakkuk down to this verse found in Habakkuk 2.4, and it says this, But the righteous shall live by his faith. Now, Habakkuk poses some questions, and his faith has been challenged. I want you to know that as followers of Jesus Christ, when we claim the name Christ, not everything's going to go great. Um, I've talked to several of you who <clears throat> it's been, well, a pretty cruddy week. Uh, I've talked to several of you that you know, have talked about some things, whether it be illnesses, uh, sicknesses, deaths, lots of stuff that's going on. Bad things happen to good people. It's going to happen. There will be trouble. Again, this was a promise from Jesus. You will have trouble. Things are not going to go great just because you claim the name Christ, just because you call yourself a Christian, and certainly just because you go to One Hope Community Church. It doesn't mean that things are going to go great for you all the time. 
But Habakkuk has seen the problems, and he begins to pose questions, and his faith is challenged. I want you to know it's okay when our faith gets challenged a little bit. Hopefully, when that happens and when we ask some questions, our faith will continue to grow stronger and grow deeper. Habakkuk looks back, and he understands and sees what God has done in the past, and his faith continues to stand firm even in the midst of this gloom, despair, and agony on me. Now, I said that phrase again because, again, that may be one that you've heard before. Now, Lisa's a little bit younger than I am, and so we were talking about hee-haw. And that wasn't a funny laugh, okay? That's hee-haw. The old country music television show came on in the 70s. She goes, that was before my time. I was like, no, 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 no. Okay, it, it's been on even in reruns. Even if you weren't around to see the premiere like I was, it's okay. Uh, it, it, it has been in reruns, and it's okay. So, but does anybody, anybody here admit to watching Hee Haw? Wow, that's a big chunk of you, so that's, that's good. Um, and, uh, there we go. So in the show, you know, weekly, all the little comedy bits and funny bits and all that stuff, and they had... Uh, big guest name musicians who appear on the show all the time. But there are all these recurring bits with different characters from uh, the, uh, you know, the, the picking and grinning with Roy Clark and Buck Owens and those guys. Uh, but one of those was this gloom, despair, and agony on me. And I think we've got a, a YouTube clip we're going to show. It's about a minute and a half or so just to give you a hint. In case you'd forgotten or you didn't remember or you just didn't know the hee-haw culture. So, we got that clip. <laughs> I thought about bringing up overalls today, <clears throat> but I didn't have a hat like that, so I thought, eh, I couldn't complete the ensemble, so I would uh, leave those at home. And we didn't have any jugs, so. Maybe. We'll see if we get that YouTube clip. If not, we'll move on, but that's all right. Everything. There's some YouTube coming up there. And if you know what you're seeing, that song is in the There we go. such miserable faces. If, if you'll notice, the only one that doesn't look miserable oh, is the dog, wrote right? That song ought to write one more and then, and then tear them both up. 
So Roy, Gordon, Archie, Grandpa, they all showed up every week and did their little gloom, despair, and agony on me. Now, they kind of made light of it, and, and usually it was funny, always very corny humor. Does people say that anymore? Corny? Things, are things corny? Anyway, it was corny for sure. But uh, anyway, it's good, clean family fun, which is really hard to find these days anyway. So although they made a joke about it, the reality is that a lot of people really feel that way, like, like their life is full of this gloom, despair, and agony all the time. Now, let me ask you a little personal question here. Anybody ever thrown their own little pity party? Yeah, yeah, a few people admitted it, others are in their mind were saying, yeah, we've all been there. It's easy sometimes to kind of think, the world's crashing down on me, nothing's ever going to be the same, nothing's ever going to be good again. Now the thing about it is, is we've probably all been there, we've had that moment where we just feel bad for ourselves, or we feel sorry for ourselves, but the reality is that there are some people that simply thrive on this idea of gloom and despair, and these are the type of people that just aren't happy unless they're miserable. You know what I mean? And maybe you know somebody like that. Um, and this is the type of person that you would fall over in shock if they ever acted like things are going well. You know, you, you meet somebody and uh, it doesn't, everything that they say in every conversation, and it always takes a turn towards the negative. And, you know, they can take the greatest situation and they can try to find something negative. Again, some people just aren't happy unless they got something to complain about. It becomes a way of life for them. Um, and for a lot of people, though, they just simply don't know how to handle adversity. But when true adversity comes, we got to realize that it is a part of life and that we can find mercy even in the midst of this gloom, despair, and agony on me. Um, now, there are some things that I hope that we can learn from the book of Habakkuk, some godly principles that we can apply when our world seems to be gloomy and all that we can feel is the agony. And, you know, as we go through this message today, it, it might be that this word is for you. Maybe you've been excessively gloomy today uh, or this week or this month, maybe even this year. You're thinking, you know, 2019 was bad and 2020 is starting off even worse. So maybe this word is for you, you know. Or maybe if it's not for you, maybe there's something in it that you can use to help someone else who's going through a pretty rough spot. So we're going to start off today and talk about God's mercy. First of all, I think mercy is when we think about, well, we've done something bad, and it's about being relieved of any consequences or punishment. But I want you to understand that God's mercy is not just about that. Uh, but the re reality is, is that we as fallen people, as sinners, according to God's word, according to God's law, what is it that we deserve? In Romans 3.23, it tells us that the wages of sin is death and that we're all sinners. So by putting all the parts and pieces together, we can see if we're all sinners and the wages of sin is death, then what do we all deserve? That's death, right? And that's a pretty gloomy statement in and of itself. Um, but the thing about it is, is when God intervenes and God puts his love and his grace upon us, he's offering us mercy. Even in the midst of all of the stuff that's going on, God's mercy is there for us for the taking. So the first thing I want to point out is that there is mercy in the appeal. Um, when, when things are shaky, when, when things are falling apart all around us, mercy can be found in prayer. And so this whole book of Habakkuk is actually a human divine conversation through prayer and praise. Habakkuk knew about God's wrath, and he was afraid. 
He knew that God was sending, or this idea that God was sending the Babylonians against Judah, I guess there was, I don't know if, there was, if he knew that or understood that, but obviously this takes place right before um, the, the Babylonians come in and take over. So, so maybe you're in that place where you feel like you're standing on shaky ground, which, which brings to mind a song. Have you ever, you guys ever heard that song? Anybody here know who Delbert McClinton is? All right, like six of you. That's good. That's good. Um, but one, of, I, I'm kind of a rock and roll kind of guy, in case you haven't figured that out. Uh, and this is kind of a bluesy thing. And there's a song from Delbert McClinton called Standing on Shaky Ground. Let's see. Let's see if you can hear this. You recognize that? Anybody, if you recognize that guitar lick, maybe it's the song that you heard. And the horns kick in. It's just bluesy, totally rocking, right? And then he starts in with the lyrics. And, and the lyrics don't match the tone of the song at all. Anyway, there's, and he gets into it. As he gets into the song, I won't play the whole thing for you. Go back, check it out. Look it up, YouTube it, Spotify, whatever. Uh, but basically, in the song, as the lyrics go on, what you find out is that in this song that love has left him, his car even got repossessed. I mean, they're talking about this is the hardest time ever, and this would make a, one of those good old crying country songs, but again, it kind of rocks. <laughs> you know, so, so that's the good and the bad, I suppose, just as you know, God will give us what we need. God will give us the good and the bad when we ask for it. We find mercy in the appeal. We have to go to God in prayer. We need to hit our knees. When things are, are upside down and shaking all around, we've got to hit our knees and ask for God's mercy. We need God's mercy to recover, to restructure, to resume, to go forward and to grow. And we should never be ashamed to appeal for His mercy. Don't let your pride get in the way. Sometimes, as small and insignificant as we are compared to the universe around us, sometimes, because we live in a very uh, self-centered and somewhat egotistical society, we think, I got this. I can handle this. Okay, things are bad, but I got this, right? And so sometimes our pride kind of gets in the way. He said, I'll struggle through this. I'll work th through this. I'll, I'll make the best of it. Well, see, here's the thing. Sometimes the best of it for us doesn't compare at all to what God has in store up for us if we would just come to Him, if we would just appeal to Him for the mercy, for His hand upon us. You see, out of His love, He offers His mercy. God wants us to be successful in His will for our lives. And He wants us to move forward through whatever gloom and, and despair that we're facing. There's a uh, in Psalm, there's a, in chapter 40, verse 11, a verse that says this, As for you, O Lord, you will not restrain your mercy from me. Your steadfast love and your faithfulness will ever preserve me. What's that? What's that word, preserve? You know, you're drowning. What's somebody do? They throw you a life preserver, right? So God will sustain us. God will preserve us. God will help us to persevere whatever's going on in our life. But the thing about it is, is sometimes you got to hit rock bottom before we look up. And I don't know why it is that so often we wait until we get to where we can't go to any further down before we turn around and bother to look back up. But God's saying, look, come to me. Bring me your, your trials. Bring me your difficulties. Bring me your trouble because I want to bless you. I want to honor you. I want to gift you. But we need to go to God to appeal for that mercy. We need to be praying. You know, our progress 
is an act of God's mercy. So to be able to pick ourselves up and continue forward through the strength of God is a testimony to His provision of strength through mercy. Psalm 28, 6-7 says, Blessed be the Lord, for He has heard the voice of my pleas for mercy. The Lord is my strength and my shield. In Him my heart trusts, and I am helped. My heart exalts, and with my song I give thanks to Him. You ever sing a little song to God? Thanking Him. Sometimes when I pray even, I will, uh, song, be, you know, being a musician, song lyrics come to mind. And sometimes as I begin praying, uh, songs, song lyrics or lyrics from old hymns start coming through mind. I begin to actually pray, you know, how great thou art. That's a great one. Right? Uh, and sometimes I actually pray through those lyrics and, and song basically, you know, here's the thing. I know a lot of people say, well, I can't sing. Well, if you have a voice, if you have, a, if you have, let me back up. If you have a heart, you can sing. If you have a heart, you can sing. What was that? Oh, in your car. Well, we're all rock stars in our car, baby. I'm just telling you. Uh, we're all, because I, I know, because the other day I was driving down the road and I looked over and there was this gal, and man, she, the Beyonce, she had the moves and she was singing. <laughs> And woo, and then she looked at me, and she looked, and she just started doing it all again. She didn't care. <laughs> she had it all. So I'll tell you, rock star right there in her car. But the thing about it is, is that some people say, well, I can't sing. But, you know, God, I think I've said this before, and this is, I'm pretty clever. I have my own clever moments at times, you know, so I'm, I'm proud of myself when I say things like this. But, you know, God, it's like God is tone deaf. He doesn't care about what your voice sounds like. He cares what your heart sounds like. Are you singing from the heart, you know? And so I believe in, in the Psalms when we, read, when we read that passage where it, it says, make a joyful noise, and we make some jokes about that because we think, well, if you've been in the third row and you heard Mike sing, you know about making a joyful noise. You know, I'm kidding, Mike, I'm kidding. Um, so, but no, the thing about it is, is that God hears our heart. Not our, God knows exactly what kind of voice he created you. He knows the voice that he gave you. And so he knows what you sound like. But again, God is listening for your heart. So are we singing to God from the heart? You know? And again, it is a heart matter because when we get all this stuff going on in our life, this gloom, despair, and agony over me, uh, are, are we feeling it that we, okay, God, look, all this stuff's going on, and I know that, that I can struggle through this, but I need your help. I need your strength. I need your mercy upon me now. You know, if we're going to see God revive His work in and through us, then part of the issue is that we've got to relinquish any hold, anything that we keep up on our own. We've got to rely upon our strength. We've got to relinquish whatever hold or control we have over the situation, rely on Him, and we've got to make that earnest appeal for His mercy to wash over us. Our own control, our pride, all that stuff tends to get in the way sometimes. And then also we're going to find mercy in authority, God's authority. God is the creator of all things. As far as you look, as far as you can imagine, God is the creator of all things. And yet God knows us and wants to know us on an intimate level, on a personal level. We need to understand, though, because God created all things, God has authority over all things. And during those dark moments, we understand that we can find mercy in the power of God and His authority just because He is who He is. You ever been outside on a, on a clear night and, and looked up into the sky? 
and, and tried to count the stars or at least marveled at, at the beauty of the night sky. I mean, has anybody been to uh, like the planetarium over at Northern or another planetarium where, where you've, you've gone in and you've had a chance to see the show and, and they can show you things that you could never see with just the naked eye, uh, but all of the vastness of the universe around us. You know, our Heavenly Father created all that stuff. He created all things. I would say that gives Him the authority to be in control, wouldn't you? We understand really so little of who God is, of so little of God's glory because He is so vast. And, and, and quite frankly, our minds are limited. You know, you, you might have an IQ of 165, but still our minds are very limited in the things that we can process and the things that we can fully understand compared to the infiniteness of God. Our minds are very finite, while God is completely infinite. We can't fully understand. But when we try to understand a list, just a little bit of who He is, we can understand, well, if He made this and He can do what He wants, then God certainly has the authority. And in that authority comes the mercy. Now, here's the thing. We get wrapped up in our own lives. We get wrapped up with the stuff going on around us. We, we got this, we got that, uh, just different things. Maybe you've got projects to do at work. Maybe you've got a kid that's sick. Uh, just whatever. Maybe you've got something going on at home. You're trying, you're trying to get ready to sell a house. Whatever it is, you can get wrapped up in all kinds of things, and we can be distracted. And when we get distracted, it takes our eyes off of God and His glory, and it puts our eyes on those things around us where we focus on the little things. Or sometimes we might just kind of take it for granted. But fortunately for us, God is patient. You know, the God of the universe chooses to be patient with us. How about that? We can't even be patient for the fast food to come out of the fast food window. And yet God is patient over us. Wow. Again, the God of the universe, the God who created all things, the God who is so far beyond our thinking that we can fully understand Him in all His godliness, and yet He's patient with us. In His authority, He understands our imperfections, and He offers us grace to make up for them, to cover them. That's why we call it amazing grace. Habakkuk recognized God's authority. He knew that God could do as He chose, and yet he trusted God's wisdom. How many of us have ever tried to plead with God to see things our way? God, don't you understand? <laughs> of course he does. God, if you'll just, you know, do things my way, that'd be awesome. Or, or we're in the midst of waiting for something to happen, and we're trying to be patient while we wait on God to do his thing, right? And God, you know, I trust you, and I trust you implicitly, but, you know, we all got that big but, right? I trust you implicitly, but if you could just hurry it up, if you could just speed things along. Now, we're talking to a God who is timeless, who is in the moment, of the moment, before the moment, and after the moment, and yet we're talking to Him about hurrying things up. God's timeless, and it helps us to understand that. You know, if, uh, it's like the, the guy who, see if I can remember this and get all this right here, it's like the guy who is, is talking to God, and he said, God, he said, uh, what is a, a penny 
I mean, what is, what's a million dollars to you? Because, you know, you're the owner of everything. So what's a million dollars? And God says, well, it's like a penny. He said, uh, God, you are, you are timeless. Actually, I should have done this part first, sorry. Anyway, God, you are timeless. So, you know, what's a, what's a, a million years to you? It's like a moment. Then he says the part about the money. He says, well, what's a million dollars to you? It's like a penny. And he says, okay, God, how about a penny? And God says, okay, in a moment. You know, we want to take God and condense him down to our understanding. We want to condense God down and put him in a box and, and try to manipulate sometimes God into our way of thinking. But the reality is that God has the authority over all things, and yet God is who he is, and yet even in his authority, even in his greatness, even in the power that he has, he chooses to offer us mercy, and it's kind of built in to God's character. Habakkuk recognized God's authority, and he knew that God could do as he chose. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 says, Though the fig tree should not blossom, nor fruit be on the vines, the produce of the olive fail, and the fields yield no food. The flock be cut off from the fold, and there be no herd in the stalls. Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will take joy in the God of my salvation. God, the Lord, is my strength. He makes my feet like the deer's. He makes me tread on my high places. So this is Habakkuk. I mean, talk about gloom and despair here. He said, look, you know, there's no, there's no fruit on the fig tree, no fruit on the vines. There's no olives. There, there's nothing for the oil that the fields have no livestock. There's nothing going on here. There's no sheep. I can't even cut the wool. There's nothing, absolutely nothing, just despair. And yet in the midst of that despair, because God is who He is, He is still the Lord. He is still my strength. He is still my salvation. And because of that, God, in just being who He is, will make my feet like the deer's. He will make me tread upon high places. God will lift me up and bring me to those places far above wherever I am, whatever my situation is. God is who He is. And Habakkuk rejoiced in God's mercy. We, as God's people, need to do the same thing to make sure that regardless of what's going on, regardless of what we're facing, no matter the difficulty, we rejoice in God's mercy simply because God is who He is. And then finally, there's mercy in His reality. This idea, keeping on with this idea of God is who He is just because He is real. God sees us. He knows us. You know, God knows us better than we know ourselves. Anybody checked Google recently? How many people actually live on this earth right now in this very moment? A lot, right? (laughs) Well over 7 billion people. 7 billion, not million, not, you know, 7 billion That's a seven with a whole lot of zeros after it. That's a huge number. You know, it's really hard for us to, you know, to comprehend even what a million or a hundred million might look like. And yet you get on out there and now we're talking about billions times seven. Wow. And yet God knows every one. Every one. One over seven billion, and God knows everyone. Now, to us, that seems like it's a pretty big world, don't you think? 
Does God's love seem real to you? You can kind of answer that. You have to raise your hand or whatever, but, but just answer that to yourself. Does God's love seem real to you? And if God's love is real to you, then I hope that means that God's mercy is real to you, or at least it should. You know, out of His love flows grace, and out of that extends His mercy, His care over us. Now, I know that there are some people out there who will say, maybe they they tend to take more of an agnostic viewpoint or an agnostic worldview of how things are. There's probably, and all that means is an agnostic would say, well, there's probably some supreme being, some supreme power out there who who may have created all this, but but he's kind of that far-off God. He's off there in the distance. He's so great. He's created all these things. Why would he care about us, the little peons, the over 7 billion of us down here on this planet? So he's up there maybe kind of doing his own thing, but he doesn't really care. And there are a lot of people that think that, that, that God just, you know, he's up here doing his thing, we're doing our thing, and he doesn't really care about us. But let me ask you this question. Again, one of those questions ask yourself this morning. Do you believe God's real? And if so, do you believe that he cares about you? Do you believe he cares about me? Do you, do you believe that God wants to be involved? Well, I think the Bible is very specific on this, that we... Uh, we might find ourselves in a place where it feels like God doesn't care. Um, but the thing about it is, is when we let ourselves visit that place, I believe that's when the devil begins to work on us. And because the devil wants to stay in that mindset. Like, well, there's God and he's out there. But, you know, I'm not sure that he really cares about me and my life and what's going on. But God does care. God knows us intimately. The Bible tells us that God numbers the hairs on our head. Some of us, that's easier than others. But God still knows the hair on our head. He knows all about us. He knows all of the parts and pieces that make us up of who we are. Have you ever been in need of mercy, need of God's intervention, and yet you had a hard time doing what you know you need to do? And it seems kind of crazy to think, okay, I'm in this place. I recognize God is real. I realize that that He wants to to be involved with us on a personal level, and yet we fail to call to Him. We fail to appeal to Him. We fail to recognize His authority, His reality, and we fail to seek His mercy. You know, we find find ourselves in that hard place, and and prayer begins to elude us. We have a hard time even focusing to pray, and and we can, you know, we think of three other things before we hit our knees, you know, And, and we know what we need to do, and we don't do it. I'm going to tell you what that is. That's our sin nature. You see, we're all a part of that, or have that part of us that is that sin nature. In Romans 7.15, this is Paul writing. He says, For I do not understand my own actions. For I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. This is Paul. This is the Apostle Paul, you know, the dude who was, you know, who was uh, persecuting Christians, and he had that come-to-Jesus meeting on the road to Damascus, Right? And then did a complete switch, turned around. Next thing you know, he's going crazy. He's, uh, he's preaching. He's teaching. This is the guy that's responsible for what we believe is 13 different books in the New Testament. And this guy, who, who, who's believed to be one of the greatest missionaries of all times, who had that face-to-face with Jesus, and yet he had a sin problem? Paul had a sin problem. Let that sink in for a moment. So if Paul had a sin problem... 
You can bet that we probably can relate. Sin problem, that very sin nature, which is against what God's very nature is, God's reality as a merciful God, and our sin nature gets in the way. And our sin nature, just like Paul says, I, I don't do what I want to do, and I, hate, and I do the thing that I hate. Sin. You ever done something, you go, oh, I'm so stupid. How could I do that? I don't know if you ever had those conversations like, like I have. You ever talk to yourself? <laughs> I discovered that when I talk to myself, there's less chance of an argument. Okay? So but sometimes you say, oh, I'm so stupid. I can't believe I did that. I did that again. I know better. I know I shouldn't do such things. And, and yet here I am. I'm right back and I've done it again. God, please forgive me and, and give me the strength to overcome. Give me the strength to do better. Pour out your mercy on me, God. You see, God's reality is as a merciful God. Psalm 145 Verses 8 and 9 say this, The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and His mercy is over all that He has made. The very reality of God and who He is means that His mercy is available. His mercy is poured out over all of His creation. So for all of His creation, what we must do then is seek Ask and find that mercy, that mercy that is there and is available to us as followers of Jesus Christ. Find God's mercy. You know, it's real and it can be made real to those in need, and that means for all of us. In the book of Lamentations, chapter 3, you talk about, if you've done one of those, you know, read through the Bible kinds of things, reading through the book of Lamentations, oh, talk about gloom, despair, and agony on me. I mean, that's why it's called Lamentations, right? Um, but this verse stands out from Lamentations, or these verses, 22 and 23 of chapter 3. It says, The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness, O God. They are new every morning. You know, no matter what's going on, there's a, a psalm, and I don't have this one up here. This is just a bonus. You get this one for free. Uh, there's a psalm, and I've actually I've used this a lot um, during funeral services. It says, though the sorrow may last through the night, the joy comes in the morning. And it goes back to this passage right here. His mercies never end. They are new every morning. You know, a lot of people, when we come to a new year, we have New Year's resolutions like, you know, last year was rough and I did this and this and, and I'm going to turn over a new leaf and I'm going to start things over and it's a new year, so we're going to push all that behind and we're going to start again. But you know what? You don't have to wait for the year to come because every day when the sun comes up and you get up and start your new day, guess what? God's mercies are new for that day and all you have to do is reach out and take them. So it doesn't make any difference what you do today. Tomorrow is a new day and God's mercies are new just for you. So it doesn't matter what happens. Yeah, it may have been a cruddy week. You may have been sick. And someone may have passed away. Maybe there were some financial issues. Maybe just things did not go your way. It was not a great week. But guess what? God's mercies are new every day just because of God being who he is and the reality of God being the creator of all things his mercies are new every day 
So when you get up, when your feet hit the floor, thank God for a new day, a new start, and ask God to show you where you might serve Him in that day. Where, where does God want to use you in that day? You pick up the pieces and you start all over again. So gloom, despair, and agony on me. Deep, dark depression and excessive misery. If it weren't for bad luck, I'd have no luck at all. You know, the thing about it is I don't even believe in luck. Think about this. Anybody ever hear say, you know, somebody's going, say, for a job interview, and you say, hey, good luck. Do you really believe in luck? It's a little bit of who I am. So am I a, you will find luck nowhere in the Bible. Do a search. You'll find luck nowhere in the Bible. Now, there are fortunes and chance, but luck is a whole other thing. Luck is a whole other thing. I don't believe in luck. See, gloom, despair, and agony on me. Guess what? God's mercies are new every day. So whatever this day brings, tomorrow's a new day. The sun's going to get up, and God's already been there. He's already prepared the way. The Holy Spirit is already leading the way. So think about that in your own life, and we can think about that even in the life of this congregation of One Hope Community Church. We've come through some stuff. I'm not talking about just this past week, but certainly this church has come through some stuff. But it's, so we've come a long way. And in the time, the, the short, and you think about, about 15 years, this church has been around for almost 15 years, and, and in the time that this church has been here, that's, that's relatively short considering you know, some of the churches out there. I pastored a church in Indiana that was you know, um, 200 and, as of this year, I think 220, about 220 years old. Uh, so that church has been around a while. So 15 years compared to 220 doesn't seem like much. But I believe that God brought this church together, and I believe that God sustained us as we are and is continuing to grow us, is continuing to use this church to seek kingdom growth and to build the kingdom because God wants us here. God has a plan for us. And you know what? Regardless of the gloom, despair, and agony on me that this church has been through, God's mercies are new every day. We get up, we open up our eyes, and we see where God is leading us. We see where God is taking us. And that's a very exciting place to be. And when we get excited and when we call upon God's mercies, we realize that all that gloom and all that other junk has no effect on me anymore. Don't let it drag you down. Don't let it get in your way. Pick up the pieces, call on God, ask for His mercy, and then open up your eyes and see where God's going to take you. It's going to be quite the ride, and I'm looking, I'm looking forward for us as a church, for us as individuals. You know, the whole thing about, I told you earlier, about the whole house thing. I could get anxious. I could be get, you know, in despair. Oh, that house looked great, and I want to go see it, and it's already gone. But again, God has a plan, and I am trusting Him. So I'm not going to let the gloom, despair, and agony of house hunting get in the way because God has a plan. He's going to open the right doors or windows, and if not, we'll start making some, knocking down some walls, seeing where God's going to take us. God is good, and all the time. If you're here this morning, you may have been thinking about, just in your own life, maybe you've dealt with some stuff, some, you got some junk going on, and we all have stuff, some, some little, some big. Um, and maybe you're here this morning, you know, you, again, you've been struggling. One of the great things about a faith family is that we're not alone. With God, we're never alone. But God brings us each other. 
God brings us uh, in, in communion, in fellowship with one another so we can support one another, we can encourage one another. So this morning, uh, as we move into a time of um, response, the altar call, some of you might call it, what I'm going to do is I'm going to, I meant to do this earlier, but I'm going to set a couple chairs up here. And if you're here this morning and, you know, and if we need more than two, we'll grab some more. If you, we need to use the platform up here, we'll do that too. But if you would like some prayer this morning, it doesn't have to be anything specific. You don't have to, what I mean is you don't have to tell us. You don't have to say, oh, well, this is all going on. If you want to hold that and keep it yourself, that's okay. But know that we're here to support you and encourage you. And we want to lift you up in prayer. So if you've got some things going on, I'm gonna, what I'm going to do is I'm going to pray. And then we're going to move into this response time. And if you would like someone to pray over you, then I want to ask you to come up here and sit down. And then during this time, I think we've done something like this kind of before. But, but during this time, I will pray and I'll encourage if we get several folks that want some prayer. We'll have some of our folks, some of your, you folks here, if you feel led, come and pray over those that are have come up for prayer. Now, now we've got a prayer team that meets, and, and you've already been prayed over. Where you are, where you're sitting, your seats, the people, the, the lectern up here, the message, all that's already been prayed. So you've been prayed over, isn't that great? Right where you are. But if you'd like a little extra prayer this morning for someone to lay hands on you and to speak words to God over you, I'm going to ask you to come and do that. So I'm going to pray. After that, uh, Brian's going to play some, some soft music in the background, and then we're encourage you. If you want prayer, come up here and pray. Come up here and have a seat, and we'll, we'll pray over you. So let's pray. Father, we thank you for your message to us today. This idea that the gloom and despair and agony on, on, of life that we all face doesn't have to get us down. Why? Because you're bigger and you're stronger than all that. Your mercy is there over all creation just because of who you are. But Father, we appeal to you. We bring to you our concerns. We bring to you our hearts. And Lord, we just pray that you will wash your mercy over us, that you will touch us, that you will lift us up and bring us to the high places, that you will strengthen us who we are. Father, we love you and we love that you love us so much that you want to be involved in our lives in an intimate level. So Father, we are appealing to you this morning. Feel your Fill this place with your presence, the Holy Spirit, move among us in a very real and powerful way today. And that anyone here who needs that prayer, Father, I just pray that you encourage them, help them to get up and come and be seated so that we as a congregation, we as a people, may come together over them, encouraging them and praying for them by name. And Father, it's in Jesus' name we pray this. Amen.